Hello, Tudor-minded people. It's Philadelphia Carrie for Tudor Time Machine. The word I share with you this week is Bogler. Oh, my friends, I have a rare tale. Yesterday, while hunting with Her Majesty, a gentleman lost control of his steed. Rather than persevere to master his stallion, this coward, this boggler, leapt from the animal, took cover behind a tree and let his mount go unchecked. Being no boggler myself, I dismounted my sweet mare, caught the stallion's head by the reins, and threw myself into the saddle. Oh, I subdued the animal most victoriously. The throng around me hailed me a true goddess of the hunt. I delivered the animal back to the cowardly boggler, who blushed. It was a triumph. Wow, Philadelphia, you are brave. I acknowledge it. How now, Tudor Files? What? Thank you. If you're new here, I'm Gage. I'm Jessica. And we're here with a very exalted Philadelphia Carrie for Tudor Word of the Week. Ha ha, yes. Don't miss a word. And listen to the Tudor Time Machine Story Project. Jessica reads a chapter of Time's Riddle, and then my dear friends discuss the history behind the mystery. How diverting. So subscribe on YouTube and give me a like. And thank you so much for listening. Tudor Files, you are an amazing bunch. Every one of you has the wit of Rosalind and the heart of Cordelia. Can you give us the spelling of Bogler, our word of the week? It is spelt B-O-G-G-L-E-R. I love this word. The Tudors used it as a noun, but we use it more as a verb. Now we think of Boggle as to overwhelm. It boggles the mind. But in the 16th century, boggler was an insult because it meant someone who was easily overwhelmed, frightened, someone who shied away from danger. Our word of the week comes from, well, just a fantastic play, Antony and Cleopatra by William Shakespeare. I have not seen this work by Master Shakespeare. Really? No, indeed. I well know the story, for I have read the tragic history of the two rulers in Sir Thomas North's translation of Plutarch. I have read much of the brave Antony, one of the triumphant rulers of Rome, and his great love for Cleopatra, the ruler of Hellenistic Egypt. How they fought together against the forces of Octavius, how they lost the battle, and how they both committed self-murder rather than be prisoners of Rome. Shakespeare based his version of the play on North's translation. But the performance history of Shakespeare's Antony and Cleopatra is pretty hazy, It was probably first performed in about 1607 at either the Globe or the Blackfriars Theater. But we don't have a record of those performances like we do with some of the super popular plays like Romeo and Juliet or Hamlet. There doesn't seem to be a record of it being performed at court. I saw a production of it years ago with Judi Dench playing Cleopatra. And when I just reread the play, I was kind of surprised by the many scenes Cleopatra was not in. I mean, there's a lot of scenes between Antony and the other Roman dignitaries, and there are a number of these very quick kind of battle scenes. Judy Dench was just so memorable and so astonishing in the part of Cleopatra. I remember the play only being about Cleopatra. I just thought it should be called Cleopatra. I wish I had seen that production. I mean, a great actor makes all the difference. And I have read that Dame Judi Dench was just tremendous. She was so strong and so noble in every line. She just dominated every scene. But in the play on the page, Cleopatra is actually fickle, pleasure-loving, vain, unreliable. 
And those are all sort of negative stereotypes of women that were very strong in the 16th century. I mean, you don't have this idea that Cleopatra was this sort of great ruler. You you kind of feel like she's more sort of a wild woman. And the play was written after Queen Elizabeth died. So there was no possibility that Elizabeth would be offended by such an example of a female ruler. So maybe Shakespeare felt free. I don't know. Our word of the week comes from a speech by Antony where he berates Cleopatra for her weakness. Can you give us the lines, Philadelphia? In Act 3, Scene 13, Antony condemns Cleopatra thus. You were half blasted ere I knew you. Ha! Have I my pillow left, unpressed in Rome, forborn the getting of a lawful race, and by a gem of women, to be abused by one that looks on feeders? Good my lord. You have been a boggler ever. And when we in our viciousness grow hard, oh, misery on it, the wise gods seal our eyes in our own filth, Drop our clear judgments, make us adore our errors, laugh at it while we strut to our confusion. Harsh stuff. But Cleopatra is no boggler. At the end of the play, she takes her own life rather than be paraded around by Octavius Caesar as a trophy of the war. Is so. Cleopatra is proud and brave. As I was no boggler when I tamed the wild steed at the hunt. So give heed, Tudor Files. Bring some 16th century sauce to your vocabulary with Bogla. Listen in next time. Don't miss a word. Subscribe on YouTube and give me a like.